Welcome to the Tiger for Life podcast, where we'll hear stories from Washingtonians from their favorite food at Waltz or the CAF to their favorite Tiger Tunes shows and professors. We'll also find out what they've been up to outside the famed Washita bubble. I'm your host, John Merriman, Washita's Director of Alumni Relations. Today on the podcast, Dr. Blake Ligon from the class of 2008 shares about pastoring his congregation at Central Baptist Jonesboro's Paragold Campus in the midst of the pandemic, his call to ministry, and his favorite Washita memories like meeting his wife, Joy, being in the Beta Glove Maker Tiger Tune show, and his love for the calf's shrimp Alfredo. All right, Blake Ligon, welcome to the Tiger for Life podcast. John, I am excited, honored, and pumped about this conversation about that. Awesome. Hey, how are things in Paragold today? Yeah, so they're good today. Uh, the weather's beautiful, and there's a very small number of active cases of COVID up here, and so um, that's good. It's on the trend down for us in our county, and um, yeah, weather's nice. It's uh, it's all good. That's good. Hey, how long have you been at Central at the Paragold campus there? Yeah, so I I, I came on staff at Central uh, as the junior high pastor in 2011, so I came right out of seminary here to uh Northeast Arkansas, and um, and started there in 2011. So in 2021, it'll be my 10-year anniversary being at Central. Wow. So how long have you been at the Paragold campus? How did that transition look? Yeah, so I went from from <laughs> nine years of history, some down into about two minutes or one minute even. Uh, so I was a junior high pastor. Then I became the student pastor kind of over everything and uh, or over the student ministry at multiple campuses and then took on the college role. Uh, from 2015, 2018, and then uh, just a really powerful, awesome, spirit-driven season for us. God opened the opportunity for us to launch this campus in Paragold, and uh, so August 2018, um, man, we launched this thing and um, didn't know what it was going to look like and didn't know what was what was going to happen. And for a while, it was it was me and Joy, and that was it uh, in regards to a team. And so she was super crucial. She still is uh, to our, our church and our team. But uh, yeah, launched in August 2018, and um, it just exploded. I mean, that that's really God just just blew it up, and and we saw and have seen some phenomenal things take place. And so I'm grateful to be a part of it. Yeah, what what did you uh, learn as you started church planting? I mean, did you feel like you were prepared for what that looked like? Tell me about planting the church. Yeah, so you know, the Paragol campus is a little different because you know we're we're a campus, so we had kind of a, a mothership, if you will. Central Jonesboro has has been a church for over ninety years, and um, you know we had been a part of that for a long time, and so we knew the people, we knew the staff super well, I and mean, they were our family. And so launching this was was almost like sending a kid to college almost. It's not like when you go to college, all right, bye. We're never going to talk to you again, you know. Um, we still interact with Central Jonesboro daily. Um, and so that that's different, I think, than a lot of church planners who are just, they have some partners, but it's really them kind of running the show. Um, and so with us being a campus, I, I preach live. Um, you know, we don't drop a screen. And Archie Mason, who's a senior pastor, and I, we preach the same passage, the same outline. We work on that together, which is which is actually a lot of fun because uh, there's a lot of creative collaboration that takes place via email <laughs> mainly. And um, so anyway, so uh, things that I've learned, man, is that this one of the biggest things is this is his church. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when Christ says in the book of Matthew, I will build my church. Um, that was not a suggestion. That was not Jesus's opinion. That was not his hope. 
Um, that's what he, that's what he promises. And I think one of the things that early on, I, I had such a tight hold of the reins, you know, every, any, everything from what passage we're preaching all the way down to what color are the panels in the children's ministry? You know, the, the walls, we, cause we set up panels for the children's ministry and what color they were. And I just had a really tight grip on all those things. And I, I've learned over my experience to really let go. Um, and to let the Lord just empower people around you um, and, and let go of the reins. And, and remember, you're, you're an under-shepherd, not the shepherd. And, and I think that I knew that theologically, but I had to learn that personally, that this is his church, this is his work. Uh, someone else will pastor this church after I'm gone, and it will still be Christ's church long, long after that. So um, there's, a, there's a long list, uh, there probably four or five podcasts that we could do, learn the lessons that I've learned. Uh, in regards to um, pastoring and, and planning and all those things. And so, yeah, have you had any adventures, church planning? What kind of venues have you been in? Anything that's been uh, adventurous? <laughs> yeah, so <clears throat> we, we meet now in a church, excuse me, in a church, in a school. And that's what we've been since the beginning. We we kind of looked around and, and the problem with, with moving up here and planning this campus was we didn't know how many people were going to be a part of it. So it's really hard to pick a venue when you don't know how many people are going to be there. So the day we launched, we launched with a thousand people and uh, people, a lot of times people say, well, those were just Central Jonesboro people that came up. And uh, from the numbers, I I think there were probably about 110 maybe uh, people from Central Jonesboro, the original church plant that came up just to kind of see it the first day or some of them were a part of it. Uh, The rest of them were people I had never met. I had no clue who they were. (laughs) So in regards to adventures, man, trying to meet everybody, hear their stories, plug them into ministry places, um, it was wild. But in regards to meeting places, the only place that was really uh, a fit for us and we knew we could scale uh, was Green County Tech. And so we met with them and and, uh, had to work through, you know, that figuring out that contract and how that would look and uh, got a little pushback from the community a little bit, even, you know, separation of church and state, and you, you shouldn't be in the school. And so we had to walk through that because we had, we had to pay the school. So a lot of red tape we had to kind of walk through to, to be able to meet in the school. But the school has been incredible. We love the faculty and staff at Green County Tech, and they've been awesome. Um, but, yeah, that was a challenge. So so our children's ministry meets in one of their gyms. We meet in their auditorium. The preschool ministry meets in the Grand Hall, which is the cafeteria that's piped off with pipe and drape. I mean, it's just like people everywhere. It's kind of chaotic. The, the student ministry meets in the band room. <laughs> so uh, every every Sunday is an adventure. It really is. Yeah, you know, Emily and I church planted in Nashville for a number of years in Franklin and met in a movie theater and had some challenges there. We'd walk in and there's, you know, ants eating jujubes from the night before in the, in the nursery. <laughs> and, uh, our, our truck loaded with supplies wouldn't start because it was too cold and the fuel froze. And I mean, we just, there's things you don't think about when you're doing that. Like we were in a movie theater and there's only one outlet in the front of a movie theater and that's for a vacuum because yeah. you don't think about, they don't plan on sound systems being plugged into those. So lots of challenges to that, but uh, uh, it sounds like the school was a good fit. Oh, it was a, it was a perfect fit. It really was. Uh, their auditorium, um, we were able to put a, a pretty large sum of money uh, into the sound system of the auditorium that, that Green County Tech is going to get to keep. So we, we really, from the very beginning, we said we want to bless this school and this city. Um, and so, so I was able to definitely uh, put a facelift on their uh, sound system that, that when we leave one day, hopefully, Lord willing, when we have a building, 
uh, they will, they'll be able to keep for, for their own use. So. That's great. Hey, you mentioned not a lot of COVID cases in your area. Tell me what the COVID situation is like and how you've been ministering to folks during the pandemic. Man, I'll tell you what, um, this uh, for everybody. So I, 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 this is not unique to, to us up here, but we really had to pivot pretty hard and figure out how do you do ministry? How do you shepherd people? Um, how do you pastor people? How do you connect with people? Uh, in the middle of a, of a pandemic where some people are afraid to, to get out of their house. Some, you know, they just, how, how do you, and everybody's different. Everybody has an, their own personal philosophy on. So, so how, how, how is the right way to do ministry? And one of the things that we, we leaned on heavy in the beginning and still are is, is, is being online. And um, kind of the thing that I would tell our staff and our team is we have to learn how to shepherd from the screen. And, uh, and that's hard to do because we were streaming our services before. And so we, we, we had the, um, we had the framework to do that, but we weren't necessarily talking only to a screen. So when someone was, was tuning in live, they were just kind of watching the service, you know, and I was interacting with our people that were there and not really the screen. Well, then when that left and we had no one there, I had to learn how to preach to a screen and to shepherd through a screen, which is, which was very different. From a communication standpoint, but also for me, I, I yeah, and I think every pastor is like this, and just people in general. Like we need physical, social cues and interactions when we're talking, and so when you're communicating, whether it's a speech or a sermon, and there's no one there, it's really difficult because you have no feedback. You have no, you know, somebody's falling asleep, so you know, heart. I got, I got to get, I got to ramp back up. I got to get some energy in here. People are excited, or they're. You have no feedback, and so it's really difficult to, to, to pivot and learn how to do that. But that's one thing we did from the very beginning, and our team did an incredible job at that, and they still are. Uh, so we kind of met and said, okay, how are you, um, Caleb, he's our student guy, how are you going to shepherd students through a screen right now? Because they're not coming and, and meeting at your facility, and we're not going to be able to do pizza parties and food fights and stuff like that. Uh, Paula Irwin, who is a, a Washita alumni, her and Jeff have been incredible. They've been on our team since the very beginning. And and she stepped up to the plate and started doing all these videos and fun Friday videos for our kids. And matter of fact, it's kind of funny. I haven't even showed Paula this, but my kids have, have watched Paula do all these videos so often um, that yesterday Gray had a pair of binoculars up to his face and he was filming Sawyer while she did her fun Friday. And she was talking about what her favorite food was and what her favorite Bible verse was and what her favorite color was, which is what fun Friday, uh, one of the things that they did. And so anyway, so the first thing we had to do is we had to learn how to shepherd through a screen, uh, which was really uh, difficult, but our team handled that really well. And we were able to connect with our people. The second was we had to focus on felt needs um, you know, financially this hit our community and every other community pretty hard in some places. Some people didn't affect at all. Some people actually helped, um, you know, just if you had a, a needs-based service. But then uh, others, it really hurt. There are quite a few people in our in our church that lost their job or were furloughed. And so we really had to focus more on felt needs than just a, a, a general discipleship curriculum and all those other things. And so one of the things that we did as a church, which was really effective, our administrative pastor, uh, Breck Freeman, he, uh, he just felt the Lord leading him to do this, and we did it. But it was, uh, we pumped people's gas for two hours for free. So they just showed up, 
we had all of our people or a lot of our people, probably 50 or 60 volunteers with masks on, everything else. And they just pump people's gas for two hours for free. So free gas. Our student ministry was out there with their masks on and holding signs and yeah, free gas, come on. And uh, it was just a huge, uh, it was an outreach to the community, but also it helped a lot of people because um, a lot of people were hurting and gas is, is one of those essential purchases uh, that can get expensive pretty quick, especially for travel. A lot of people in our community travel to Kennett or they travel to Jonesboro often. And so um, that was a neat deal. So we had to focus on on felt needs. And then the third thing is I had to really uh, reevaluate and prayerfully think through our vision. And, um, you know, sometimes, and I love vision, so I could talk a lot about it uh, and what that looks like within a church. But for me, vision is like this long-term future, you know, here's what we want to be in 50 years or whatever. Here's what we're shooting to be. And what I had to learn in this season was vision uh, is in spurts. And so I had to sit down with our team and say, okay, from now until August 1st, here's where we're going. Here's who we are. Here's what we're doing. And lay out that vision in a short, short spurt as opposed to for the next grand 50 years, this grand vision. It was more like, hey, here's the ditches. Let's run. And so we had to really edit our vision, uh, but it was helpful. Yeah, I think vision, operational, everything is just in a shorter, condensed amount of time. I mean, you know, we would have never imagined, you know, canceling class or sending students home. And it was just changing so fast. You know, now we're, you know, talking about, can we do chapel? Can we do tiger tunes? Can we, you know, so it's like everything is uh, kind of on a daily, day by day, week by week kind of basis. So uh, I know that happens in church too. Now, I know you hadn't been quarantined long, just a couple of weeks before the tornado hit Jonesboro. Um, not sure how much that affected your kind of Paragold family, but what was it like uh, ministering in those circumstances and how is the area doing now, like cleanup, rebuilding wise? Yeah, that was a chaotic moment. You know, we were already trying to mentally and emotionally wrap our minds around the the um, the pandemic. And then, yeah, you're right, that, that tornado hit. And I remember my wife and I, Joy, uh, we, we sat there and, and watched a TV screen while a tornado ripped through uh, places that we had been to and in neighborhoods of people that we knew. And it was very surreal and, and just really hard to take in. And so we're watching that. And, and I knew uh, what's interesting is we had already pre-recorded the sermon for that Sunday, you know, because it hit on Saturday. Mm-hmm. So we had already pre-recorded it. Um, and and I, I had already preached Psalm 46. And, and our weatherman, Ron Vaughn, who's also a part of our church and, and a, a really good friend of mine, he said, you know, the only thing about recording something before is you don't know something major may happen and you've got to you've got to address it. And I remember laughing. I think what major thing is going to happen other than the pandemic right now, you know, and then the tornado hits on Saturday. So uh, I thought about Ryan's words. And so I went back in that Sunday morning and preached live from central Jonesboro. And it was still the the COVID thing was still new. So we were in shock with the tornado and then the COVID thing, trying to figure that out. So we're kind of like distancing ourselves, And it's just, it's just a really chaotic time, but it was powerful because we had already picked to preach Psalm 46 and we preached that entire Psalm and, uh, that's the passage there at the very end, verse 10, that says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted among the earth. And, and um, that sermon, there, there's certain sermons that you preach and, and you feel like you're not even there. Like you feel like the Holy Spirit just takes over and, and just just speaks powerfully through you. And that was one of those moments for me. That was probably one of, one of those 
uh, 50 years from now when I'm talking to my great grandson about preaching ministry, that's going to be one of those sermons I'll talk about, you know, and one Sunday I preached the day after a major tornado hit our city. And so it was chaotic. It was crazy. Yeah. And some of the people in our church, their houses got I mean, demolished. And so people that are part of our, our campus, even in Paragould, who lived kind of between Paragould and Jonesboro, got hit. And so we had to, again, going back to that felt needs, we had to reach out to them, figure out what they needed. Luckily, a lot of them had family that was close, so they had a place to stay. Um, but we worked on cleanup. The guys up here, the men up here, um, were were. Uh, I, I told people these these are country strong boys up here in Paragould, and so uh, you know all every, everybody's got a four wheeler or or a, a razor or a, you know chain, six chainsaws, you know whatever hanging in their garage, and so they were ready to help within minutes. I was getting texts of that tornado hitting. Hey, what do we need to do? How, when can we go down there? And so, so yeah, and we did. We mobilized multiple teams to go down and help. Uh, on multiple occasions, and so uh, the rebuild is is coming along pretty quick. You, you you could drive through Jonesboro now and and still tell something happened, but they have done an incredible job at cleaning everything up and 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 rebuilding those businesses and and places. And luckily, no one you know no one died. There were some minor injuries, but no one no one passed away, which was just a, a blessing from the Lord. That's good. Uh, what's your current stage of opening? Like, how has it been, you know, kind of going total shutdown and doing only video? And what are things like today? June 14th, uh, we are going to uh, be meeting in person for the first time since like March 17th. So on Sunday night, we're going to meet uh, as a campus at Central Jonesboro. So really excited about that. That was kind of the first phase for us. It's hard for us to phase because we don't have a building. And so that's the first phase. And in July, we're going to have our life groups meet in homes. We're going to encourage them to on Sunday mornings to kind of be a, a type of phase two. And then uh, another uh, on campus in Jonesboro meeting in July as well. We said August 16th is when we're coming back, uh, but that is very fluid because we are at the mercy of the school who is at the mercy of, you know, the Arkansas uh, government and, and state of education, uh, board of education, excuse me. And, and so there we're working with them. Matter of fact, we met with them recently, but we're trying to figure out what that looks like. And one, somebody said in the meeting, they said, here's the deal. Honestly, you just got to wait for two weeks until August and then figure out what we're going to do. And that's really the truth. It's kind of like, that's pretty much true for anybody. Just wait for you can't really plan anything. I'm sure you guys have felt that as well. Just two weeks before you're going to open, make a plan and go with it. So August 16th, we're going to meet in person somewhere uh, is my hope. And it may look a little different. We may not be at Green County Tech immediately um, just because of the restrictions that, that they've got as a school that we're going to have to, you know, it, it just wouldn't work um, for us. But we're working with them. Again, they've been awesome. Um, but we are going to phase into uh, meeting on Sunday mornings in August. That's the plan. And so that's good. Yeah. We got guidance from Dr. Cluck, you know, he's running this health monitoring committee and he sent us just a couple of days ago, here's the guidance for your events coming up. And then the governor gets on and says, going to phase two. We're like, okay, so what does that look like? That <laughs> you know, all this stuff. So, you know, that's why we're not making any big calls on, on Tiger Tunes or fall stuff. Cause it's changing every day. So, you know, when we need to make a call, we're going to make a call, but it changes every couple of weeks. So, yeah. yeah. Um, tell me about your call to ministry. I, I don't think we uh, had discussed this previously, but um, briefly, just kind of tell me about your call. Yeah. Yeah. So 
I, uh, man, I really, um, Jesus caused me to fall in love with himself when I was uh, a teenager, about 16 years old. And, um, so I love sports and, uh, and, and I was really beginning to, to, uh, follow hard after Christ and, and stumbling my way into what that looks like. And, um, it was around that same time that I preached my first sermon. We had like kind of a youth sermon Sunday and, um, I felt a fire in me for ministry, for preaching. I loved people. I loved reading the Bible. And um, so I, I was I was all for it. I was all about it. And um, but I, but I didn't want to go into ministry, which was kind of funny. Um, I didn't want to be a pastor because I, I wanted my goal was I wanted to be rich and I wanted to be like a deacon in the church. Like that was my that was my trajectory because I didn't want to be, you know, I didn't want to just be this this poor preacher, you know, whatever. I just had this this weird mindset of what it would actually look like to be in ministry. And so I went to Washita wanting to be a, a, a psychologist, a Christian psychologist. That's what I really wanted to do because I thought, well, that's ministry, but also I'm sure you get paid pretty well to be a psychologist. So, um, and when I was at Washita, my first class, my first class right out of the gate was psychology, base level psychology. And at midterm, I had an F. And I'd never had a net before. And I was like, man, this may not be the trajectory of my life. <laughs> and so um, I, I changed to business and uh, just kind of rode that way for a little bit. And I was playing football at the time and, and just trying to figure out life and meet new people. And one morning, my sophomore year, early in my sophomore year, I woke up and I just very simply heard the Spirit of God say, I'm calling you to my ministry. And uh, it was that simple. It, and and I, I just, it was, it was clarifying and it was almost relieving because I felt like I was kind of fighting or wrestling with the Lord and I finally just surrendered to it. And so that morning I walked over uh, to the Christian studies department, changed my major and, and, um, and dropped out of business. And yeah, I knew that's what God had called me to do. That's awesome. I love it. What have you enjoyed most about pastoring? I know you did student pastor role, um, but what is your, what have you enjoyed the most about being a pastor? Yeah, so like on a personal level, I feel most alive when I'm preaching and teaching. I love public communication of God's word. I, I just, you know, there, there's certain things that you do, and when you do them, you just you, you feel like this is what I've been placed on the earth to do. And, and for me, that's preaching uh, and teaching. I love it. Um, I love seeing God work in the midst of people's lives. Um, and so on a personal level, that's what I love. But uh, in regards to, to ministry, um, you really do have a front row seat to what God's doing in the lives of people. And so, man, we have uh, our, our campus just in the last two and a half years, we baptized like 330 people. And a lot of those I've gotten to either baptize or be right there with them. And, and man, you talk about just exciting when you see a mom getting baptized and her her three kids standing around the baptistry just watching that, or uh, a wife who's in tears because her husband has finally given his life to Jesus and is getting baptized, and it's something that she's been praying for for 15 years, uh, or an addict who stumbled onto our church because somebody invited him and, uh, and got saved, and now is uh, free from that addiction and walking with the Lord. I mean, it, just the stories of people's lives being changed and you getting a front row seat to that is really, is really a, a blessing. And not just with that in regards to salvation, but also, man, weddings, 
uh, even funerals. Like you are at a place when you're in ministry to be at the most special and powerful moments of people's lives. And you get an opportunity to communicate to them. Thus says the Lord. Whether it's a wedding, a funeral, a sermon, uh, a gospel conversation. Uh, And so God reserves a very unique, important role for those who are in ministry that's very special. And it's not to be taken lightly either. I think going into it, I I thought, oh, it'll be fun. I'll preach some sermons and hang out. You know, it'll it'll be great. And um, I don't think I realized how heavy the burden of pastoring is. And um, it really uh, humbled me um, in a lot of just different ways. And um, yeah, I've, I've learned a lot and changed a lot from that dorm room my sophomore year of, of college. So a lot of great lessons I've learned in ministry and a lot more. I'm sure I'm, I'm going to learn too. And so I'll, lo- I'll lose more hair before, uh, before it's all over, I'm sure. Yeah, I think that heaviness is something that you, you don't expect going into ministry, even doing camp ministry. You know, when I'm preaching at Centric Kid or preaching to kids, you know, I was a director and pastor at the same time, you know, shortly after college. And I would preach like my heart out and really feel like those moments like God is speaking through me. You know, you walk off the stage and you're just spent, you know, like the the weight of the salvation of all these people, you know, is really on you. And then somebody would say, I'm locked out of my room or my toilet's not flushing and be like, yes. okay, you know, got to shift gears. Yeah. Yeah. I think that heaviness is something that is a real, real, real deal. You know, you talked about how you felt that call at Washtaw. How did you hear about Washtaw and choose Washtaw there at the beginning of your college story? Yeah. So I had a, I had a family connection to Washtaw. The, the Gossard family um, is, is my family as well. So my grandmother was a gossip. And, um, so uncle Bob was my grandmother's brother. And so, um, a lot of the gossers have, have gone through, uh, Washita. Matter of fact, there's some dorms named after him. And so I knew of Washita through my family, but didn't have, I, I, I didn't intend on going there just because I wanted to go to a bigger school and because I wanted to play football. And, um, so, as I kept praying through my senior year, I, I felt this uh, this urge to to be a part of some type of, of ministry, you know, and 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 uh, I kind of alluded to it earlier. And uh, Ole Miss, I was looking at Ole Miss, I was looking at Mississippi State, and some other uh, universities, and none of them had a, a, a Christian psychology department, obviously. And so I shifted my focus um, to Washita because of that. And also I thought, man, I, I may get uh which is, which was true. I would, I would get a little bit more playing time uh, if I was at Washita as opposed to Ole Miss. Uh, and I realized I didn't want to be a tackling dummy for four years. And so, um, so, so contacted. Um, and I'd been in contact a couple of times with a few coaches. And, and so, yeah, that's, uh, that's um, went that we prayed about it. And then my, um, trying to think February, of my senior year of high school, I, I think I made it official and, and uh, the rest is history, I guess, you know. That's good. Hey, now I know you've shared before about, you know, coming to Washtenaw, being a football player, but that, you know, you learned to love art as a student. Tell me how your time at Washtenaw has like grown and shaped you into who you are today. You know, I, I was thinking about this question. You sent that to me earlier. And uh, one of the things that came to my mind is, 
my story is there's so much lacking from my story if you take Washita out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, Washita, and I mean that, I would be, uh, I would say that even if I was doing a podcast for somebody else, another university. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I met my wife at Washita, Joy, and who was also, uh, her parents went to Washita. I got called to ministry at Washita. I got to play football there. I uh, uh, met some of my best friends who are still best friends for me, was a part of a social club there. Um, so many relationships and connections I still have because of Washita. You know, you you, you take Washita out of my story, and, and it's really not even close to the same story. Uh, God intervened in so many powerful ways during my four years there at Washita. And so, yeah, I mean, just, just for me, Washita was not a finish line. Washita was a launching pad um, where I learned to appreciate art like you just talked about. As a matter of fact, in my office right now, there's, there's multiple pieces of art because of that passion that ignited in me for it at Washita for learning and for literature, those things birth, you know, in high school, I, I, I didn't care about reading and books and, and that's, that was not me at all. But Washita planted that seed in me to learn and to grow and, and to be a humble learner and realize that there's still so much you don't know. And there's always someone smarter than you. I definitely learned that pretty quick uh, there at Washita. But Washita also did something for me. It, it, it planned for me a love for the outdoors that I still cherish now. Uh, you know, I, I kind of hunted and fished growing up, but when I went to Washita, I was introduced to mountain biking and rock climbing and hiking and road biking and, and all of these outdoor things that, that growing up in the Delta, we didn't have hiking. You didn't hike. You, you walked the field like that. It wasn't, there, there was no such thing as that. We didn't kayak, you know, we didn't, we didn't do those things. Uh, but I took, I took those classes. I took backpacking and leisure. I took kayaking. I, I started mountain biking with a group of guys. And, and so that birthed in me a, a passion for adventure that has, has only grown since then. And so uh, there's so much uh, of who I am today that started at Washita. And I would say the biggest part of that is my wife. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, kind of a neat story. I don't even know if I've shared this publicly before, but I called Joy's uh, parents, called actually her mom, Miss Miss Sue, who, who's there on staff there at Washington, and, and I called her and I said, hey, where were you when Mr. Jim told you for the first time that he loved you? And she said, well, we were in front of the calf, but the calf was different. They had tore the old one down. It's the new one. I said, well, where was that? So I'm on the cell phone with her walking around, and she's, okay, well, no, if you turn here, all right, keep going all the way down. That parking lot right there, you know, that that's, that's where it was, because I'd heard the story that the first time he told her he loved her was when they were at Washington. He dropped her off at the calf. She opened the door and he said, Hey, I love you. And she just was like, I, I love you too. And, and that was a really special moment for them, you know? And so I called her mom and I said, where was that? And, um, so I took joy and we were in the middle of a parking lot, kind of on the side of the calf a little bit. And I said, do you know what happened right here? This is my sophomore year of college. She said, I have no idea. And I said, this is where your dad told your mom he loved her for the first time. And I said, and I want you to know right now, I love you. I truly do love you. And um, 
Yeah, that was that was a special. It was just a really powerful moment, and so so much of my personal history is woven into the 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 culture, the fabric, the buildings of Washita, and um, so I, I cannot express enough how grateful I am to the school, to the faculty, and to the Lord of what He did on that campus in my life. I love that. Now that story will make all of our alums who watch Hallmark movies weep open. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm sure. How did yeah. you meet how did you meet Joy? Was you know, was it when you first got to school? Did you know her before? Yeah, so she was it, it's it's not a we've you know been asked this question before. Everybody asks people that question. It wasn't anything super romantic. Uh we just had mutual friends. And so we kind of met through a mutual uh, multiple mutual friends. We came in Washington the same year. And so um, my friend circle was more the football team and her friend circle was, you know, girls and guys that were from Arkadelphia that she had connected with from, you know, just different deals. And so, uh, so anyway, so we just met through those mutual friends and um, we were, we were just friends at first. And then, man, the Lord had other plans and I'm really glad she she uh, said yes, and uh, she said that she loved me back. By the way, on that <laughs> in that parking lot, that would have been terrible. Like, yeah, I don't, I'm not. That's yeah, <laughs> I'm not feeling it. Yeah, yeah, that would have been awful, but she did. So that's that's awesome. Yeah, Joy's a, a rock star too. You know, we were talking about recording this podcast, and uh, Doctor Sells was like, "You have to have Joy too," and I said you know, doing a weekly podcast, I'm going to need her eventually too. <laughs> yes, you will. Joy is, um, she's absolutely phenomenal. I know every guy thinks his wife is awesome and, and they probably, probably are for sure. Uh, but Joy is, is, is so foundational for, for me and, and, and grounds me and encourages me. And, and, you know, just, I, I can't imagine ministry, and life without without her her influence is so huge and not only my life but in so many other people's lives she's uh she truly is a joy she lives up to her name yeah i should probably remember you know this this story but i think in high school we read a short story that was something about a i don't know a safari and somebody kills a fly but the that one moment affects like this animal and this you know and it's like this huge ripple of things that can can happen from one moment and I think about that a lot. The the decision to come to Washaw with, when none of my friends even knew what it was and leading to finding Emily and getting married and all these things. And yeah, I feel that it's part of your story too. It's like, you could have gone anywhere to college. There were so many options, but you know, the choice you made, that's where Joy was. And that's kind of how that took off. I love that. Oh man. Yeah, it's good. Joy is the fly. That's yeah. what we're... <laughs> Someday I'll find that story and remember, and it'll make much more sense and I can preach it. But yeah. yeah, there you go. That's awesome. So we have this part of our podcast we've been doing called Fast Fave Fives. We just kind of ask you five rapid fire questions about your time at Washtaw. Yeah. So first one for you, favorite food in the calf. I loved when that little island in the middle of the calf, is that called something? Uh, the one where they do like demonstrations and stuff? Yes. I think it's called like the action station or something, but well, wherever, when, when I was there, that little Island, when you walk into the calf and you know, you're walking around all the food, the pizza, the drinks, a little Island right there in the middle, uh, they used to, they may still do it, but they used to do uh shrimp Alfredo. 
Mm-hmm. And I, when it was Shrimp Alfredo Day, I, you would see me running through the cap to get in line first so that I could have it. The sweet lady who uh, who would serve it uh, would, would give me a little bit. She'd give me a double portion of it. You know, she, she'd hook me up and make sure I got a lot of shrimp. She'd kind of pick that shrimp out. We were, we were good friends. And so I loved Shrimp Alfredo Day. I also love the ice cream. So I, I love that. Are you still a Shrimp Alfredo fan today? I am. I am. I, I just love pasta. I, I, I'm a big Italian fan, so. Nice. Hey, favorite professor. Did you have a favorite professor while you were here? You know, that question's so not fair because I, I think about the, there's certain aspects of every professor. So I, I guess I would say the Christian studies department when I was there. And so really quickly, Dr. Jackson, I loved his passion for the outdoors and for ministry. And I feel like I, I, I've continued that and, and really tried to incorporate uh, mountains and hiking and, and outdoor discipleship connected the two. Um, Dr. Eubanks, I loved, uh, I kayak now so much. Matter of fact, this morning I was kayaking at 545 this morning. And so I loved his, him connecting again, the outdoors and kayaking to spirituality. And, and I'm so grateful for him and how just laid back he was. I was grateful for that. He, he kind of takes me down a, a notch when I was thinking about, Hey, listen, just trust the Lord. It's fine. Dr. Pate, um, his humility, so, uh, his humility impressed me so much and just his kindness. Uh, Dr. Duvall was so wise. It, it was almost like you couldn't stump him in a life question. Like he just, he just knew how exactly to answer your question. And he was one of those guys too, that, you know, you, you Certain people who walk with the Lord for a really long time, you feel it when they walk in a room. Like you just feel the spirit, the spirit of God just kind of is with them, just kind of hanging out with them. And so for him, for me, when Dr. Duvall would come in, he would just, uh, he had that. And, and so often uh, share with me pieces of wisdom that, that I still use, uh, not only in my personal life, but also in ministry. Um, he was the one that said, sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do is sleep. <laughs> and I remember him saying that, and I have said that often in sermons. And and there's been some people who have been with me since junior high ministry up until the Perryville campus. So they've been with me almost 10 years. And if you ask them, what's one thing that Blake has said, you know, in one of his sermons that's really stuck with you, they're going to quote that sleep, that sleep quote. And so <laughs> it's like, that's awesome. So man, the Christian studies department as a whole, all those guys were super influential and grateful for them. Yeah, I love that. I'm going to uh, take that to heart. Maybe sleep a little bit later. Sounds good. That's right. That's right. <laughs> um, I know you played football. Was there a favorite play or a favorite moment while you were playing football at Washington? Uh, yes. The first home game that I played after I pledged. Uh, so I was a beta. And uh, so after I pledged, I uh, I ran out on the field. I think it was a punt return or a kick return, something like that. But I went out there to 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 set up for that, and the betas went nuts. They were just screaming and yeah, and so um, I just remember running on the field, just laughing. But I think as I look back, the reason that was so memorable, it's just you know you fe- I, I felt I felt seen. And I, and I felt that um, there's more to life than football, you know, there's, and, and that those friends, those guys really, really taught me that. It was just a neat moment. And they were all just chanting ridiculous things, I'm sure. But just remember that. I just remember laughing going onto the field. And, and uh, that was one of my favorite memories. That's fun. Did we have uh, old field, new field at that point? What was the stadium at the time? 
Um, stadium was was the same. I don't think it was grass still. So is it is it is it they have the new stuff now? Yeah, got the turf down. Hmm. Yeah, I would have liked that. Yeah, it was grass. So yeah, it's so funny to me. We put turf down, you know, and U of A pulls theirs up, and you know, people like it different ways. But it sure looks sharp out there, and I'm sure the maintenance guys are very happy to not have to water it all the time. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, man, I I love that stuff. When we played on fields, and you know the indoor facility was that stuff. I loved it. I uh, I was a big fan of it. It was fun. Uh, do you have a favorite spot on campus? The bluff. I loved going out to the bluff, which isn't technically on campus, but for me, it was on campus. You know, right past the soccer fields. But really, uh, from the bluff to the back of the soccer fields, where the Washita River kind of runs through there, I loved going out there and exploring. I take my fishing poles and fish for smallmouth, and um, I go up on the bluff by myself just to think or pray. And so the bluff, uh, but then also I love the chapel. I love Berry Chapel. Um, it's Berry Chapel, right? It's still called yeah. Berry Chapel. Okay, yeah. yeah. Um, there were some pretty significant moments uh, that I had with the Lord in that chapel by myself. I'd walk up the stairs and go to the the top parts, you know, where people couldn't really see you. And, and just sat up there and prayed and thought, and um, yeah, some pretty pretty significant moments in my spiritual life were were in that chapel too. So, so you've been to the bluff since they've paved it and put the pavilion out there. Yeah, you know, and and it kind of I did. I walked out there with my kids, and Joy went out there with me because I took Joy up there a couple of times, and it it kind of took away from. So if there's anybody watching who uh, who did that, thank you for what you did. But it took away from like the secrecy of it, you know, because not everybody knew about it, and um, the access that they now have from the road, um, you know, nobody knew about that. It was just this covered up spot and you didn't know that so you kind of had to go through the neighborhood and up the hill and it was mm-hmm. it was just, you got to kind of climb over stuff and so it was kind of like this hidden gem that no one knew about but it's still awesome I love going up there matter of fact uh, interesting story John uh, my senior year I so I took 18 hours from my sophomore year all the way to my senior year so I was hard and heavy every single semester well my senior year because I did that my Last semester of my senior year, I, I was pretty much done. So I, I think I ended up having to complete 12 hours. So that was the semester that I took backpacking, camping, and leisure, two different classes. Same thing, two different classes. And um, so we had a lot of free time. And we went up to the bluff one afternoon, and we were sliding down it. So we were, like, sitting on our rears and sliding down the bluff because a big piece of it had fallen into the river. And so it created a little bit of an angle. So we didn't just like drop straight off while well, I was sliding down a part of it and, and I, and I, and it kicked me over to the side. And when it kicked me over, it just dropped straight off. And so about 30 feet, I just free fell, just plummeted, landed on my ankle. And I thought I broke it. And Chris Burgess was running down there and he was like, Blake, Blake! you know, and he thought I was dead. I thought I was too. And so I, I messed up. Matter of fact, my ankle still messed up from that. Uh, I have tendonitis in this left ankle because of that that incident. And so, uh, anyway, so the bluff, I really enjoyed my, my time up there. Well, you know, Emily works for a personal injury attorney if you need to, you know, settle anything. <laughs> <laughs> I, I may. Sue the bluff. I may do that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, now there's a sign there that tells you to be careful, you know, it has like falling rock signs up there. But, you know, if, if that sign would have been there, if I would have been carrying that sign <laughs> on the bluff, I don't think I would, I still think I would have slid down the bluff. So. No, yeah, we love it up there. Now there's a fireplace in that pavilion and chairs, and so we'll walk up there, and it's a pretty cool place to to relax. Even though you don't have to take the rustic route up the 
up the hill anymore, but yeah, good spot. Is there a favorite Washita memory or a moment? I know there's thousands of, um, along your time, but is there one thing that you think like that was my favorite Washita moment? There is a lot. You're right. Um, getting engaged was uh, a favorite moment of that season, but it wasn't on Washington's campus. So I feel like that's not fair. You know, one of my favorite moments of Washita was Tiger Tunes. I loved Tiger Tunes. And so, you know, I was in it uh, three years, I guess. I didn't do my freshman year, but then sophomore, junior, and senior year did it and uh, did it with the betas and uh, and loved it. That was always so much fun because I was playing football. So it was like homecoming week. There was a lot of, like, stuff going on with football. So I would leave football, then go with the betas, and we'd do, you know, Tiger Tunes, stay up late, run all over campus. And so that was just a really fun weekend. Uh, for me, I, I never thought about school that whole weekend. Like I was, and, and, you know, it was just, and family would come up. And so, and that was always a really fun weekend, but Tiger Tunes was the highlight for me. And even as a football player, Tiger Tunes was still the highlight for me. Uh, I really enjoyed our time. Yeah. I'm so thankful the football coaches let, you know, students do tunes. I think it would be very easy to say you've got too much going on. Don't do it. But it's such a huge part of student experience. I'm glad that they're able to do it. We've had some close calls the last couple of years, you know, we do a random draw. Rosig is supposed to go first. You know, they've got a football game and we're literally waiting out the back for a truck to pull up and throw Rosigs out of it from the football game. You know? <laughs> uh, it makes it a little dicey, but uh, we're thankful they get to do it. Did you have a favorite show you were in a favorite, you know, theme that you guys did? Ours were always, uh, you know, we were super choreographed. You know, the guys now, I'm really disappointed in their. I'm just kidding. We were, we were pretty, uh, we were pretty terrible. It was our crew, by the way, that started the uh, the second place chant that that they do. That was that was our crew. There's a lot of things that I noticed that they do that that, and it wasn't me. It was, but our crew, those guys. Anyway, my favorite show. We were glove makers one year, uh, which I really enjoyed. the 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 theme behind that was uh, the two guys who were who were in charge of it said, "Okay, we need to come up with a Tiger Tunes theme. That we need a lot of songs. And what's in a lot of songs? Love. Love is in a lot of songs. Well, what rhymes with love? Glove. Okay, we'll be glove makers. Like it was like <laughs> that was like it wasn't like this." Hmm, let's think about thematically how do we want to present this? It was just about what rhymes with love. Glove, perfect. So, Glove Makers was fun, uh, but I think my favorite was uh, the Trash Men, Sanitation Workers. Okay. And uh, that was a lot of fun because of one moment. It was all fun, but one moment we did a little trash can, like a stomp thing, like a, you know, kind of deal. And the lights went out, there were some glow sticks happening, and my buddy, uh, Tim Hare came out on stage while we're doing this this trash, and we didn't know he was doing it. So during the show, <laughs> he comes out, and in the middle of everybody, he starts river dancing and does it like he grew up in Ireland. It was unbelievable. It was so on point, and we were just like, what is – you know, we were doing the little – you know, and <laughs> we were looking like, what is he doing? And, yeah, he just – went out there and did it. And so then it became part of the show. And so that was my favorite tunes moment. I, I still laugh about nothing because he was completely straight faced too, just not smiling, just, but doing the river dance. It was incredible. Seriously river dancing. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's a great place to do it. You know, we're at by the Washtar river. So might as well river dance. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. It, it was pretty phenomenal. I love it. Hey, well, you know, we're glad you could join us today. I know you've got a lot going on at church there. Anything else you'd like to share with, you know, alums and friends listening today? You know, I, uh, I'm super grateful, uh, John, that you uh, asked me to be a part of this. And uh, I want to say to people who uh, are alums, people who uh, are supporting Washita, people who are thinking about going to Washita, and this is completely unsolicited, John did not, or anyone else asked me to do this, but um, Washita is an unbelievably special place. And God is is powerfully at work. I believe this uh, still there. And so I would encourage um, those who are thinking about coming, uh, don't pray about it, just come and then pray about it when you get there. But for those who are a part of the Washington story, uh, I'll say thank you. You know, people like my my in-laws who were there way before us, way, way before us. I'm just kidding. Sorry, I'm just joking. <laughs> um, you know, they crafted that culture. Uh, Washington has a unique culture, and it's because of the people who came before us uh, that really shaped the culture of that campus. And so to those who are alumni, thank you. Thank you for shaping that culture and how uh, powerfully it impacted me and how it is still impacting other people. And so, um, yeah, man, honored to be a part of this. I, I really am. I love Washita. I love getting back there. And my children uh, now, they're six and four. They have no other university that they are able to look at other than Washita. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a pretty fun comment. They've been there a couple of times. They've really enjoyed it. They've got the little Washita stuff, Tiger. Well, we'll keep sending propaganda their way, giving them coloring books. And <laughs> ready to go. Hey, right now, if you just send them little stuffed, uh, stuffed tiger, you'll have them for life, man. That'll be good. <laughs> well, Blake, thanks again for joining us today. I do want to tell you we're praying for you and Joy and the kiddos, praying for your church, and uh, can't wait for the, the COVID crazy to be gone so we can all be back together and, and meeting and excited about C2M this summer. Glad to be doing that yes. virtually. And I look forward to students hearing from you too. So again, thank you. Uh, proud of you and praying for you. Hey, thanks a lot, John. I appreciate you too. I see you guys. Thanks for listening to the Tiger for Life podcast. Be sure to rate and subscribe so you won't miss out on future episodes. Oh,